kids, you can head out now to children's worship. Did you know uh, that it's raining? We prayed for that. You know, there's, it's good news. So uh, no complaining. Okay. Um, and it's getting cooler. No complaining. So, yeah. Uh, so um, we're going to look uh, today at, at uh, Psalm 121. Uh, it's a very simple, very straightforward uh, but very beautiful uh, reminder to us of uh, uh, the fact that God uh, helps us and that indeed he is our helper. Um, so um, uh, in light of that, uh, let me pray and then uh, I'll read uh, this text. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we come to you thinking that uh, uh, we just need a little bit of help or uh, maybe we think we don't need any help at all and yet... Um, we're grateful as we've sung that you have regarded our helpless estate. And uh, the truth of the matter is without you, uh, we are indeed helpless. Uh, but you are our helper. Help us to glory in that. Help us to glory in the fact that uh, our need of you uh, is um, total and your provision of yourself is total. That you meet us. Uh, that where we need help, uh, you provide. And so bless us today as we look at this text. Uh, help us to uh, hear from you and uh, to see you uh, more clearly. Lord, I pray especially for those who are here this morning who uh, uh, feel their need of, uh, of help, that uh, by your spirit you administer uh, this truth and this grace to them. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 121, uh, text is in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Um, I am a really uh, terrible person to live with. Uh, and the reason for that is I may look put together to you uh, uh, today, but the fact is I am a real pig and I don't mean that by that. I eat a lot. Although I do do that. I'm very messy. Uh, and, uh, over, uh, my life, people who have lived with me have had to struggle with that. I don't struggle with it very much, but, <laughs> but, uh, they've, they've, <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, I don't struggle with it, but they, they've had to struggle with it. And so I had a roommate in seminary, uh, who uh, had about enough of my uh, uh, piggishness and my messiness. And he, um, he came to me one day and he said, I've had enough of this. You need to, you know, you need to clean up. And he said, uh, you know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. 
And I said to him, yeah, and that same Bible says God helps those who help themselves, right? Now, maybe you think cleanliness next to godliness is in the Bible. It's not, at least not in uh, the Bible we use in church. And so, and, and neither, <laughs> neither is uh, uh, the fact that God helps those who help themselves. Praise the Lord. That's not in the Bible, <laughs> right? So uh, as we as we think about this this morning, as we come at this issue of of God being our help, I think I think it's important for us to kind of settle our hearts and minds uh, uh, on on exactly what this means and exactly what it, it, we can expect from God uh, as He declares to us uh, that He is our helper. One of the things that you have to see about human beings, if you are, if you're a human being, if you're a person today, uh, you need help. In fact, uh, when God made Adam and he put him into the garden and everything was perfect, everything was wonderful, it was before he had even sinned, God looked at Adam and sees him alone and he says, you know what? It's not good that Adam uh, is alone. Now, Adam walked with God. Right. He he talked to God. He he uh, and it would say that the scriptures tell us that God came down to the garden in the cool of the day and he he would walk about and speak with Adam. But yet even at that, Adam needed somebody to be a helper for him. Right. And so Eve is created as his perfect helper. Uh, as someone who uh, corresponded to him and someone who would be with him and in relationship with him before him uh, and uh, care for him. Now, one of the things that we note, uh, one of the things that's bad about, I guess, our, our language when we when we speak of helpers, right? When we when we typically talk of helpers, we we think of helpers as as something that's kind of less than, right? Uh, in in the construction trades, if you're a uh, if you're before you get to be a carpenter, a full-blown carpenter, you're a carpenter's helper. And that helper is not as good as a carpenter. Right. You know, uh, uh, they don't. Uh, what, what do they do? Well, they you know, they they give you the nails. They bring you the hammer. They, you know, carry the lumber. They, you know, they, they, they do that kind of stuff. What you really need is a carpenter, not a carpenter's helper. Well, the fact is in God's economy kind of turns that on its head. The fact is God is our helper. And as such, you know, as our as our helper, he is the sovereign helper. Uh, uh, the gracious, ever present, uh, with us, uh, uh, helper. And so, um, and, and what that is, the great news in that for us, as the psalmist points out to us is, is that God helps us, uh, in ways that we cannot help ourselves. And the primary way he helps us is he saves us from sin, as we've already sung this morning, right? So what I want us to do this morning is to, to kind of, uh, repent, of thinking that we uh, uh, are helpless in the sense that there's no one to help us. We have a helper in God. But I also want us to repent of our own trusting our own competence and, and having confidence in ourselves that we are able uh, to deal with our own sin, um, uh, to deal with our own uh, shortcomings, to deal with our own struggles. The fact of the matter is uh, we have uh, a comprehensive helper uh, in Jesus Christ, as this this text tells us. So, um, uh, Brian, go ahead and put my put my notes up there. So, to ask the question, where does my help come from? From where uh, is um, implies a need for help, 
right? It's a question that the vulnerable and the needy must ask. Now, here's, here's the thing about this. You know, we, we tend to not like to be needy. We tend to feel ashamed when we, when we need help, right? It, the, the way we tend to think about that is if you're stuck somewhere and somebody, you know, has to help you, 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 you probably feel like, you know, you're less than a, a competent, put together person. But the fact is God delights in helping the needy. He delights in drawing close to those who see and understand uh, their brokenness and their neediness. That's one of the reasons why Jesus was so uh, attracted to children, because little kids know they're needy. Someone has to feed them. Someone has to take care of them. Right. And so the, the same thing uh, is true uh, is true about us. Um, uh, last week, uh, believe it or not, it was the 26th anniversary of us starting this church, which, you know, 26 years. They said it wouldn't last. And, um, uh, but I think about that, that week was, uh, that, that Sunday was a great Sunday. But I think about the second Sunday as an actual bigger deal uh, because people came back. <laughs> we we knew we knew people would come to the first one because you know we kind of signed up for that, but they might not come you know the the second week and and so or any weeks after that. Um, I went through Marty and I went through a, a process before planning the church where our denomination assessed us, and that um, you know assess what a great word um, they examined us. They took us apart, and they didn't do a very good job of putting us back together again. But they did take us apart, and uh, and uh, on the last day when we were assessed, we were assessed with uh, eight other couples, um, uh, and it was terrible because you sat in a room, and they would meet with people, and people would come out, and either they'd be happy or they'd be bawling, crying. So which really, you know, excites you about going into that room. And so I fully expected to get assessed as poor. Back then, they rated people that did this on a scale of one to five. One is uh, <clears throat> get your real estate license or your uh, insurance license because you, you probably are in the wrong business. And five is you're John the Baptist. Literally. And you could tell, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure if I put those, uh, if, if we put all nine of us up in front of you this morning to look at them, you could tell just by looking who's John the Baptist and who needs to do something else because it was, it, was, it was pretty obvious. Well, uh, they don't do the, those ratings anymore, and they've changed the way they do assessment because the thing that they figured out is all the guys who were fives, who were John the Baptist, uh, their record of success of getting a church planted was very poor. Why is that? Because they didn't need help. We were a three. We got a C. We were average, right? And so when you're average, what do you need? You need a lot of help to get above the bar. And so uh, it, it may not, it may be in other ways in other businesses or whatever, you know, uh, C's don't make it. But uh, in my business, being a C, being a three, being average is a great blessing. Because uh, if they told me, you know, hey, you're John the Baptist, I would probably not be in ministry anymore 
because I wouldn't need any help. I'd just be, you know, self-sufficient, taking care of myself, doing my own thing and uh, destroying churches. <laughs> but because I, I, I know I'm a wreck and I'm a mess and I'm needy and uh, uh, I need a lot of help, uh, lo and behold, God provides people who help. And that's how you get a church started, by being needy. Who knew, right? So, so the fact is, um, when we when we look at this, we you, you, we would only uh, um, we only ask for help uh, when we feel vulnerable and needy. But the truth is, the way the scriptures look at us, the way the psalmist looks at it is, you you need it all the time, right? And so, uh, I came across this quote, uh, uh, quotation this week from uh, Jean Vanier, the founder of Larch, Lark, you know the. Uh, the community uh, for uh, that Henry Nowen was a part of for uh, um, mostly kids who were uh, uh, special needs kids. Uh, the founder of, of this community went around to asylums uh, back in the 50s and 60s. That's where they housed people who were special needs back then. And noticed that as he went around and looked at all these children in all these asylums, he would go and he heard no crying. No crying. Um, now, you know, you might not like crying, but little kids have to cry. It's, 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 it's part of who they are. They have to cry, right? Um, and this is what he said. He says, when they realize no one cares, that no one will answer them, children no longer cry. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Uh, it takes too much energy. We cry out only when there's hope that someone may hear us and help us, right? And so, so the truth is what the psalmist is getting at here in this very simple and very direct way, he recognizes the fact that the world is a hard place, that his life is difficult, that is challenging, that his relationships are challenging, that, that his, his work is challenging, that, that the, wherever he is and that he must have a savior, he must have a helper who will come to him, who will be ever present with him and who will see him through. Because I think one of the things that, uh, that will make heaven so profound for us is that when, when, when we are able to see finally exactly how much God forgave us, certainly, but even more than that, how much, uh, how much of a helper he actually was to us, how much of a protector he actually was to us. Because I, I'm, I'm certain that, uh, I mean, we, we have a sense, oh, God delivered me from this or he helped me with this. But the fact is there are probably a million things that we don't see that we don't know about that God helped us with. Uh, and because he helped us with those things, we, we we're just kind of unaware of it, right? That he protected us from things and, and we didn't even see them coming. We weren't even aware that we were in any kind of a threat, right? So what, what the, the, the Psalm writer here wants us to, to understand is that God is always with us, always hearing. He never sleeps. He's always available. And that the, the people that understand that about him are quick to cry out to him, right? And so our helper is, is a living, he is primary. That means he is very direct to us. He's personal. He's wise. He's immeasurable. And he's constant. Right? And so neither internal troubles, troubled conscience, uh, uh, troubled sense of who we are or, 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 uh, or God's presence with us, 
or even external troubles are too hard for him, right? That's the great thing about recognizing the the truth about our neediness. That's the great thing about confessing and repenting is that God is always quick to move towards us and he is actually not repelled by our neediness. He's not repelled by our need of a helper. It is, it's fitting for him because he is our helper that he loves that about us, right? So let's, let's take a, a, a few notes uh, just about the text of this psalm. Next slide. So the psalmist says that he looks about him. He sees, uh, he lifts his eyes up to the hills. He asks him the question, where does his help come from? He also looks uh, at uh, the sun and he also looks at the moon. Now, why, why does he mention these things? Well, there's a couple of theories about that. One is he looks at the, the hills, uh, the sun and the moon as things that are constant and are uh, uh, around us all the time. And th- these things remind us, uh, remind him of the steadfastness, the ever presence and the help that God is, that he's always there present with us. Um, that could be true. There's also a theory that the hills, the sun and the moon are representative of uh, pagan deities that might threaten uh, uh, the psalm writer, either way, well, what it, as he looks about him, as he sees these things, the hills look solid to him. God's help is more solid. Uh, the sun might, uh, might scorch him during the daytime and, the, and the moon might, uh, be terrifying to him at night. But even in that, God is present with him and is his helper. He never, ever leaves him. Um, Yesterday uh, morning, uh, one, of, one of the things that I've noticed about myself, I told Marty this, this, this week, is that I'm turning into my dad. And, and, and one of the ways that I know I'm turning into my dad is I used to be able to sleep late. I can't sleep late anymore. I'm up at 5 o'clock. Whether I go to bed, well, I go to bed early. You know, I go to bed at five o'clock, but no, <laughs> no, not, not, not that bad, but, but, you know, I am tired, so I do get, get to bed early. And, but I'm up, I'm up at five most days. Uh, which means at this time of year, it's super dark at five o'clock, really dark. Well, yesterday I got up early. And one of the things that I like to do when I get up early now is, uh, I like to go out, be outside, be in the woods when the sun comes up. And so I was sitting in the woods yesterday when the sun came up under a tree. It was cold, very cold just yesterday morning. I was unprepared a little bit for that. And um, listening to the woods come alive. Uh, and one of the great things about sitting in the woods like that uh, over time is it's boring. There's, you know, there's squirrels around and you're looking for things to happen. But, you know, there's a lot of just sitting there. Uh, and boredom is something that I think we don't practice enough uh, because I do my best praying, actually, when I'm bored. And so I was sitting there and I'm thinking, there's the moon. The sun will be up soon. Oh, that reminds me of Psalm 121. I got to preach on that tomorrow. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to tell the people that you bring to church tomorrow that you're their helper that you're near to them, that you're constant, faithful, powerful in your help, that the cross shows that. But you know, before I can tell them that, I need you to convince me 
that you're my helper. I need you to convince me that in my struggles, where my heart uh, is restless, where I am troubled, you're a helper. And so one of the things that struck me as I was, I was thinking about that is, um, you know, one of the great things that God gives us is he gives us one another to remind each other of the ways in which God is our helper. Where I can go to you and say, you know what, I had this issue in my life and God helped me with it. I struggled with this particular sin, but God was my helper. I was uh, overwhelmed with this and God protected me and cared for me, right? And so, so the fact of the matter is we have this testimony here of, of, of a man who recognizes that in, in, in the daytime and at night, comprehensively, uh, wherever he goes, whatever he does, God helps him, cares for him, and protects him. Secondly, he, he says that his foot, will not, God will not let our, our foot slip. What does that mean? Well, it's more than likely that this man is on a pilgrimage and he's on his way uh, into Jerusalem and he's walking and that God will protect him by, uh, by helping him not fall down, right? Now, that we, we may hear that and we may think, well, that's kind of a, a, a simplistic or a very silly um, uh, a, a protection. But the fact of the matter is what he's getting at here is in the big things and in the small things of life, uh, God is our ever-present uh, helper, right? And that he protects us, that he cares for us. As I've gotten older, one of the things that I think a lot about is falling. It's weird, you know. Uh, I, I, when I run, I'm, I'm uh, much more aware of my surroundings and what's around me because the, the fall is not what I've noticed is so bad when you get older. It's the inability to get up. <laughs> You know, once once you hit uh, hit the ground, it's kind it's kind of hard to, to 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 get back up. And so, even in the minute small things of life, like stumbling around, uh, the psalmist recognizes that God protects him and cares for him. Secondly, he note he he says that God will be his shade. And I, as I think about that, uh, what what does he mean by that? Well. It's not just that God keeps him cool in the heat of the day, uh, but that as shade surrounds you, as uh, when you when you get in the shade, you're in the shade. It's all around you. It's over you. It's underneath you. It's beside you. Right. It's all around you. Well, the same thing is true of God's help for us. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus says uh, that he is going to uh, before he uh, ascends into heaven, that he's going to send his spirit and he calls his spirit the helper. Right. So God's help for us is like the shade. It's over us, in us, around us, all with us all the time. Right. So God's presence with us is is one of the ways that he manifests this. And the the psalmist looks at that and he describes it as 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 like being shade. He says that is coming in, that God will be with him and protect him and is coming in and is going out forevermore. And that means in the totality of life, wherever you are from birth to death, even before that. God is our protector. God cares for us. He provides for us. He, he is uh, always, always with us, right? Even in the tough issues of life, he's present with us. And we need help most often in those areas of our lives where perhaps we feel the most competent, right? 
And that's one of the things that the psalmist recognizes, that in, in, in all areas of his life, whether he feels like he's particularly needy or not, uh, God is there uh, as his, his helper, provider, as his protector, right? Um, let me just say that for many of us here today, uh, it's not new to us that God's our helper or that he helps us. And for many of you, you probably would be quick to identify times and places in your life uh, where God has helped you. But the other thing that may be true for us today is you may be crying out to God for help today, and he may not be providing you with the kind of help you think you need. Right? Don't you have that dispute with God? Right? I want him to help me with this, or I want him to do this, or I want him to, to, to meet this particular need. You see, the great thing about God's help for us is he knows what we need. He knows what kind of help we need even before we ask him, even before we seek him. And so even though we may dispute or we may cry out as the, the widow does to the judge, the fact of the matter is uh, God's help for us, uh, it, it's, it's probably a blessing and a mercy to us that we don't always get the help that we think we need, but we get the help that God thinks we need. And he, we get it in the time and the fashion in which he deems to give it to us, which is always best. Now, that's challenging, isn't it? Uh, that's, uh, that can be quite a difficult thing for us. But the psalmist is urging us today to rest our hearts and our lives in the sovereign helper who, uh, who's always there uh, to care and provide. I came across this quote from Spurgeon this week, and I think, I, think it's, it's, um, I think it's really helpful. What we need is help, help that's powerful, efficient, constant. We need a very present help in trouble. What a mercy that we have it in our God. Our hope is in Jehovah, for our help comes from him. Help is on the road and will not fail to reach us in due time, for he who sends it to us was never known to be too late. Maybe a little late, right? Maybe you think that, but not too late. Jehovah, who created all things, is equal to every emergency. Heaven and earth are at the disposal of him who made them. Therefore, let us be very joyful in our infinite helper. He will sooner destroy heaven and earth than permit his people to be destroyed. And the perpetual hills themselves shall bow rather than he shall fail whose ways are everlasting. We are bound to look beyond heaven and earth to him who made them both. And this is, this is worth being in church today. It is vain to trust the creatures. It is wise to trust the creator. Think about that. Think about your own life, how we are so tempted to find our help in things other than our helper, right? Um, yesterday, I, uh, after I sat in the woods for a while, I, I went to a uh, cross-country meet, a big one, really big one, lots, lots and lots of people, too big. Uh, it was a little overwhelming. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, I was able to do was to yell at some of our kids who were running uh, 
and then yell at them. That sounded terrible. I was, I cheered them, right? Uh, I was, uh, I was able to, you know, uh, to cheer and to uh, encourage them and uh, to urge them, them on. As I thought about that, I thought, well, that's kind of what Jesus does, except the fact is, uh, Jesus doesn't just cheer us on. He runs the race for us and completes us for us. And he carries us all the way to the end. We need that. We need that. Maybe you're here today because somebody invited you and maybe you're here today and you think, you know, Christianity, the gospel, Jesus is a crutch. Well, it's not. It's not a crutch. It's a gurney. (laughs) Right? It's what carries you. It's what you rest your whole weight on, whether you know it or not. And that's the good news for us today. As we come to the table... We have an opportunity to declare uh, that good news by eating this bread and drinking this cup, by proclaiming the Lord's biggest help to us in the forgiveness of our sins. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, let's confess our sins together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you alone are our help and salvation. You alone keep us in perfect peace but we have sinned against you. Too often we have refused to lift our eyes to look for you. Too often we have helped ourselves. Too often have we stumbled away. Too often have we doubted your love and care. Too often have we indulged in evil. Too often have we squandered the life you have given us. Forgive us. Deliver us, keep us, good Lord. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the scriptures tell us on the night in which he was betrayed, Uh, The Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now ministering in his name and he gave it to his disciples. 
One of the things that is so good for us to remember today is the fact that we we probably are unaware most of the time of uh, our neediness. But one of the things that the Lord sees and one of the things that he provides is you need a savior. You need grace. You need mercy. And, and, and even when you don't feel like you need it, you need it. And so the Lord gives us this cup and this bread as tangible reminders to us of the fact that he has forgiven us of our sins, that he has helped us overcome that which without his help would be our undoing. In fact, with, without uh, the, the gospel, without the work of Jesus Christ, without his atoning sacrifice, we are undone. But thanks be to God, Jesus lived our life, died, died our death, and rose again for us. And so when we eat and we drink, we are proclaiming not just that our sins are forgiven and not just that God is gracious, but that God is ever-present, ever-gracious, always with us, always caring for us, always forgiving us, always extending mercy to us, always loving us. It is a great thing that we, uh, uh, that we, we have an opportunity to do that. Now, maybe today um, you, um, um, you're struggling. Maybe today it seems that the Lord is distant from you. Well, here we have this opportunity to be reminded how this God who spared not the thing that was most precious to him, his son, if he did that for you, how will he not also give you all things in Jesus? If that's your hope, that's your confession, and you've proclaimed that to a body of believers somewhere, Jesus invites you today to taste and see his goodness, and to be reminded today of his help and his overcoming of your sin. Uh, as the uh, uh, elders and deacons come down front this morning uh, to help me, let me remind you that the outer ring is wine, the inner rings are grape juice, and all the bread is bread that is gluten-free.